This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome, everybody, to the first follow-up episode of Comics in Black and White. With me today, as has never been before on this podcast, is Ronnie Barron. How are you doing, Ronnie? Fine. Early morning. <laughs> it is early morning. <laughs> uh, we got up early to record this for you guys. I'm uh, sitting on my breezeway. It's 30 degrees outside, and I'm sipping coffee, sitting in front of a space heater. How about you? I am sitting in my kitchen, looking out my picture window. And it's like 65 out, but I'm still drinking coffee, so. <laughs> 65, that's like summer weather. I know. Oh, man. But yeah, so we, we got up early to do this because we both have a busy week of podcasting. Later this week, hopefully, hopefully I'm putting together doing a, a special edition Nerdy Legion podcast uh, with a friend of mine that is uh, is a, a like a hip-hop encyclopedia i want to do a rap episode with him Uh fitting that in hopefully i'm going to be recording the long-awaited love and rockets episode of comics in black and white Uh, i'm working out doing that with uh with a new recording companion because my uh my usual recording buddy has been too busy lately so i gotta gotta take some uh some load off of him which is why i'm recording with you now ronnie so that way we can actually put out an episode of this podcast that's cool so we are following up on Rachel Rising because when Martin and I recorded on the first about a third of Rachel Rising, Ronnie listened to it. He started reading it, and I believe you read the whole entire damn thing in one night. I read all forty-two issues in a day and a half. Yeah, day and a half. So you took it easy on yourself. Yeah, it took me a while longer. Martin and I recorded that episode. I, I still had. I mean, I had to read Cerebus for our next episode. And I was still trying to finish reading Usagi Volume 2, and God, I don't remember what else, but I had so many things going all at once, so I, I had to polish off Cerebus before I got back to Rachel Rising so we could uh, you know, make an episode about it. Then once I got back to Rachel Rising, man, it goes quick when you get into it. This is definitely a page-turner of a book. Yeah, and that's like how I read is if I'm really digging the book then I get obsessive about it I guess and Mm -hmm. like that week I was crazy busy at work well not crazy busy obviously if I read 42 issues but (laughs) but crazy uh, at work yeah crazy at work (laughs) yeah it's like where I had like 109 hours or whatever so it was one of those things where it's like a happy medium I guess I had to be at work but I had a digital so I can go ahead and read it to pass time. Plus, I was enjoying the hell out of it. Heck yeah, yeah. this this book is one. I, I think I, I so lately I've been reading uh, some old school Marvel stuff. Um, which I mean, you know that my preference with comics isn't really the the like the mainstream comics like '90s and before, pretty much. Like just the style comics were written was a lot slower and more descriptive and. Um, I kind of prefer quicker reads with comics that uh, that my mind does the work. You know, my mind fills in the gaps on stuff. So I kind of that's why I kind of like how comics are written nowadays, where there's more images, less words. 
Um, but you like your mind is doing a lot of the work, filling in what's happening, getting the context of stuff. They're also, I mean, they're just able to do more with art now than they were then because they can be so much more detailed uh, because of the changes in the medium and stuff. Um, yeah, so reading reading this old, uh, it's like uh, the Claremont X-Men stuff. Right. Um, man, it, it seriously probably takes me half an hour to read an issue, which is <laughs> definitely weird for me. Um but Rachel Rising, it's just, man, you get rolling and you roll and you roll and you roll and you want to, like, pretty much every issue makes you want to see what happens next. Yeah. Um, but it's also not, uh, you also read uh, Revival, right? Yes. So I haven't finished reading Revival, but I had read a lot of it while it was coming out. And then I stopped for a long time and I wanted to pick it back up. So I went back and reread stuff. And I realized going back and rereading it that I wasn't enjoying it nearly as much because it was all like the cliffhanger was really the sell on it. Like you just you had to see what happened next. Right. But rereading the issues and knowing what happened next, it it was I mean, not that it's not still a good comic, but like that so much of the weight was in that, you know, I oh I gotta see what happens, you know? Yeah. And reading Rachel Rising, while it has that element to it. Like to me, all the weight of Rachel Rising is in the characters. Like there are characters in here that you fall in love with. There's characters that you want to see get what they have coming. Um, there's just some really weird ass characters in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, th- this book, like, you really get into the the people. And, I mean, by the end of it, some of the characters that you wanted to see, you know, like get their just desserts, and uh, by the end of the book you don't really anymore because you get to know them as a character and see that you know they had motivation for what they were doing that for a while you just thought was you know they were terrible right um yeah so where where should we start talking about with this uh i know you had a couple of characters that really stood out to you yeah um i like zoe and earl from the beginning but as um the further i read and um, the more they got flushed out as a character, then you really, well, I shouldn't say you, but like me really dove into their characters and saw how different they were than everybody else that's in the book. And I think that's, yeah. what, that's what set them aside for, for me. And then plus, you know, Earl's the big lovable guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then... Zoe's like that crazy killer person, but then, like, the more you read about her, the more... (laughs) Is it a her or is it him? I mean, I know it's a little girl, but is it a a guy? She's a little girl. Yeah, right. The the demon was trapped in her, and the the demon was male, uh, Malice. Right. Um, But she's a girl. Okay. Um, but she's actually like an old lady trapped in a little girl's body is what uh, it is. Okay. But then her her knife was um, with like Satan's sword that over the years had been sharpened and whittled down. Right. Yeah. Um, it had been Jack the Ripper's knife. Um, so it had gone through her lineage of all these, you know, like basically like butchers and murderers. Mm-hmm. And by the time it got to her, she, uh, she wore it down more to where it's about the size of like a, I mean, it basically looks like a, a a butter knife (laughs) just about it's it's not much bigger than that uh but it's you know wicked sharp and uh yeah she's i mean she's such an interesting character because she starts off like she's this 
little girl and you're like oh my gosh this crazy stuff is happening to her and you feel you feel bad for her because these terrible things are happening mm-hmm. then after a little while you realize that she's actually kind of the terrible things that's yeah. happening yeah and so for and then for a while she's she's just like this evil thing that's bad you know you're like oh my gosh she's terrible um but then after a while you just it's kind of like eh, it's, it is who she is you know she's she's just this murderer you know i mean <laughs> she she can't help and she starts to become this uh this goofy character sort of because she kind of she realizes who she is she comes to accept it and you know she goes through these stages where at one point she's trying to deny it then she's starting to uh to accept it but kind of with this mentality of like well if this is what i am then you know i'm just gonna kill everything right and then you know by later on it's just like she's throwing uh throwing the rats in a trash can with firecrackers <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I, I like killing stuff so you know they told me to take care of some of these rats and <laughs> this is what i'm gonna do <laughs> and i like her interaction with rachel's aunt too mm-hmm. some of those are like classic like when uh <laughs> she comes like when rachel's aunt comes home and then zoe's there on the couch mm-hmm. and they're like banter back and forth because I was thinking about the exact thing <laughs> oh, you're kind of an asshole aren't you yeah it's fun isn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah that's great because because we look at Zoe and she's like what 12 maybe yeah I think that's around the age that her character it's either like 8 or 12 I don't know it's one of those like young ages you know yeah but it's like where that old saying is like you're a young kid but you have the old soul trapped in you, I guess. Yeah, except with her, it's literal. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> all those interactions with her, with Rachel's aunt, are like classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are so good because they. I mean, I guess technically they're closer in age than uh, Zoe and anybody else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and I love at the at the the end. Rachel thinks she's finally dead and moved on from this world and she could be free. And then Zoe's sitting there with her and she wakes up. She's awake. We got more work to do. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just all eager about it, drinking a juice box. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Zoe's Zoe's character, when, uh, when we were at that point where I was a little less than halfway through it, I think I was about two and a half trades into the seven trades of the, the story. <laughs> And you had blown through everything at that point, like without me having read anything more. And you were saying that Zoe and Earl were your favorites. It's like, I like Zoe's interesting because she's this crazy murdering little kid. But at that point, I was like, she, I wouldn't call her my favorite. I mean, she's. But they, they just her character grew so many more dimensions over the last half of the book of the the story. It was great. Yeah, and that's like I knew that you guys obviously weren't where I was, or finished it by then or whatever so that's why i was like keeping it vague and you're like what i don't i can't believe that zoe and earl's your favorite characters and i was like okay well hurry up and finish it so we could talk about it because i didn't want to spoil anything definitely now earl on the other hand i feel like he had kind of stayed not quite one dimensional but he stayed pretty simplified as a character but he just is, like you said, he's just like this, you know, like lovable guy because he's he's innocent. You know, you know, I mean, like uh, there's the the scene in the book where 
because he's a, he's a mortician, right? Um, Rachel's aunt Johnny is like the head mortician, uh-huh. um, and he's like her assistant. I'm assuming. Yep. He works for her, um, and he gets a, a little girl in. So you know, he gets a dead little girl, a hit and run, um, and he can't handle it. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's been doing this. This is his career, but he can't handle it. So Johnny shows up and says, "I'll take care of it." Right. Um. So, you know, it just shows, like, he's... I mean, he's an adult. He's dealing with dead people. It's He's not exactly, uh, you know, an innocent, but he has that innocent side to him that, you know, he doesn't... He doesn't, like, uh, tread in the realities of the horrors of the world, sort of, you know? Yeah. He has this love for, for Jet, who is a young girl that is completely out of his league in reality, but, you know, I mean, her reality changes when she dies and comes back to life from the dead you know right uh so i mean by the end of the book he he gets the girl inexplicably uh because you know i mean life is different when you died and came back you know yeah i think um i think he's you're right on how you described him but i think he's like the anchor and the and the only constant character in this whole mm-hmm. 42 issues that exactly pretty yeah. much stays the same because everybody else i mean i'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen to him or anything like that but i think his character is the one that's like the even keel the whole mm-hmm. way through yeah yeah even with the crazy stuff happening it's like he always kind of stays status quo he kind of keeps his balance yeah so he's he's kind of somebody there for everybody else you know he he's there to protect uh you know, I, I think there was a time too where he was watching over Rachel when she was in, in you know, when she was quote dead, right. when she was uh, not, you know, animated. But I know like he was watching over and protecting Jet and Rachel. Obviously, we find out through the book. You know, she starts out being like in the earlier part of the book, she's kind of the the one that stays kind of static. She's the, um, I mean, she's the, pro- the the main protagonist through the whole book. Mm-hmm. But earlier on, it's like, okay, well, Rachel's Rachel, and the story is her trying to figure out what happened. And then quickly, the story starts to get away from that. And for a while, it's like the the most interesting aspect of the story is veering away from Rachel because she doesn't want to realize what she really is. Right. You know, so it's kind of like she's keeping herself in the dark, sort of. So we're kind of being kept in the dark. Yeah. for a period of it while we're starting to see the story of the, the, the witches and the town killing all these girls because they're trying to kill these witches um, and all this stuff. Uh, but then we get to the point where she finally realizes who she is and we get the, the full picture of who she is and what's going on. And that's where suddenly we realize like how big of a character Rachel is. Um, and, you know, it just, uh, oh, crap, I totally blanked on his name. Malice? No, no, no. The, the the big guy we were talking about. Earl? Earl, yeah. This is this is what happens when we record this <laughs> early. I'm bad with names anyways, and then we recorded... Uh, it's 7 a.m. for me now, so it's 6 a.m. for you. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, my, my memory's not going to hold on to names this early. But, uh... So, you know, Rachel ends up being this big character because she's, she's a, an eternal, you know? Right. Um, whereas Earl always kind of keeps his his spot you know so he he ends up becoming the anchor for everybody all throughout it just like you said yeah ah yeah rachel is eternal and so her who we find out is her sister's like the head witch who wants revenge on the town which through most of the book that's 
that's kind of the driving force of the story more than anything is is this uh, this witch wants revenge on the town for having murdered all these girls and tried to kill her and her witch friends. Well, by the end of the book, we find out she's not just a witch. Her and Rachel are sisters, and they're eternal. They're yeah. you know they're even beyond that. Yeah, Lilith. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the name. See, you, you, that's what you're here for is the name. <laughs> that's what, that's what I do. Um, but yeah, because it's more like the biblical sense then, and they just have, um, I, I don't want to say repeat, but like have lived the same life like over and over and over and over. But Lilith's punishment is that she has to remember the whole thing every time as to where everybody else's gets to forget for a marginal time. Yeah, well, I mean, the the main two are Lilith and then Rachel, who, uh, what was Rachel's name? Her original name? Um, I, I don't ha, know. That. Stumped yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's in there. I mean, they call her Rachel throughout the whole book, but, uh, you know, the, the name that she also uses some was her name in kind of like the past life that she was remembering when the town did kill all the, the well, tried to kill the, all the witches, but in turn just killed all the girls in the town. That weren't um, witches. <laughs> yeah. Let's kill everybody so we can find out which ones don't die. So the <laughs> ah, good grief. Um, oh, God, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, yeah, so, so they're both, they're sisters, they're eternal, and Lilith has to remember everything, but Rachel, every time she dies, she comes back and she doesn't remember that she has been living this whole time Mm -hmm. so there's the point where where lilith makes her realize it and you know see i i i I freed you from this you know and i need you so we can do this and rachel realizes that what's probably happened is that lilith has every time has brought rachel into realizing who she was but then when rachel refused to help her with what she was trying to do lilith kills her so she gets reborn again right um, so it's just all kinds of messed up. So through through most of the book, Lilith is the main character that you hate. She's she's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Malice is kind of like the the cohort who kind of gets pushed aside through a lot of it. I mean, he's he's there, and he's interesting in the dynamic of Zoe figuring out who she is because Malice is trying to use Zoe as a tool. Malice was trapped in Zoe at the beginning of the book. Uh, but through most of it, Lilith is really the one that is the you know the the one that is the the antagonist that you want to see Rachel you know figure this stuff out and and take care of her basically. By the end of the book, she's not. It's malice. You know, it, it all gets shifted to him because Lilith gives up on trying to kill the town and is just like, uh, I'm Rachel's sister, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a little bit different. So then they focus their attentions on malice. Uh, so let's talk about Malice some now. So he starts off in Zoe. Mm-hmm. He's trapped in Zoe, which we find out Lilith trapped him in Zoe. Uh, because Zoe... And I don't think we ever exactly get an explanation of why Zoe is, the, is still a little girl after... All this time. 50 plus years or something like that? Yeah. Is think... it because Malice was trapped inside of her? I don't think we ever really got that... Yeah, I, I don't think they give a clear explanation. What I kind of figured from it was that Lilith put an enchantment to trap Malice and Zoe. Malice can't leave a body unless it dies. Right. 
So he's trapped in Zoe, but he's not in control of Zoe like he was in control of anybody else he took over. But then Zoe also stays a little girl. So she's not, you know, heading towards death through the process of aging. Right. But then she's also in the lineage of these murderers, like Jack the Ripper being the most notable one that stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's no, there's just definitely odd things going on with Zoe. Uh, but Malice gets freed when Zoe realizes what she is. She's just a killer, basically. She tries to kill herself to end her life to get away from this so that frees malice but then lilith saves zoe's life so she technically died which is what freed malice but then lilith saves her so that so she's still a part of the story because she's still part of the plan i guess right um but so malice gets freed and he jumps into jet for a while then he kills jet so now jet's died twice mm-hmm. uh and he jumps into the priest and then in the body of the priest he's trying to utilize zoe he's uh helping her realize who she is because she's still at that time is kind of in the dark and is going around killing people and animals and things but doesn't quite understand why yet uh so he unleashes who she is to her but in a way that's trying to direct her the way he wants her to go because he wants her to feel like I, well, I'm. This is just what I am. So you know, kind of put her in a place to be used as a tool instead of to accept who she is to where she's in control of herself. You know. Yeah. But he gives her the the knife by that point that was his sword, mm-hmm. um, and she turns it into her own thing. And he's trying to you know like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Don't you know what that is? Because she whittled it down to a smaller blade that she could wield better. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, it's mine. I'm going to do what I want. He's like, no, it's not yours. It's not a possession. It's 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 its own thing, you know? And she's like, no, it's mine. <laughs> and then, you know, she gets fed up with him when he's trying to control her and he's threatening her and telling her that She's going to carry his child, and that's going to be the Antichrist, and so she stabs him to death. But then a woman wanders up on it, and he jumps into that woman and jumps into another one. So And the priest, and then so on. Yeah, so he, he jumps into a bunch of different people throughout, and uh, then by the end, he, he went down kind of easy. They just kind of decided like yeah we should finish this guy off Lilith, it's kind of like she just gets pissed off and just goes and finishes the job yeah yeah I was I thought he went down rather easy as well because it was like was that like issue 40 I think somewhere around there because I, I didn't, it didn't happen in the last issue but I was just like really we had all that build up build up build up and then you know it's kind of like one of those easy things so I I would say if there was a disappointment out of the series, it was probably how easy Malice went down. See, I actually think that it it suited the story perfectly. No, yeah, I, I'm not saying that... I, I'm just saying, like, all that build-up, and then it was not anticlimactic, because I think it suited what um, it was pushing towards, but... I don't know. Uh... I, I know I know what you mean. Like typically in a story like this, there's build and build and build and we expect like an epic showdown at the end. Uh you know, like 
I mean, reading other comics. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, we've talked about like in Valiant, the Book of Death. It's this this uh, quote event, um, and it's it's leading towards this big showdown. And you get to the showdown, and it just kind of ends really quickly, mm-hmm. um, and much more simply than you expect. And in, in this book, I mean, we had read through. Forty issues by then, so we'd read a lot of issues. But I think it just goes to show that this book wasn't about the event. It wasn't about this building battle. It was about the the characters and the the way Malice goes down. Basically, is Lilith is you know, they're trying to figure out what's the best way to to take down um, Malice, right? Um, and they're making these kind of crazy out there plans like we're gonna shoot him into space so that way he can't possess another body <laughs> yeah um and Lilith just goes and kind of has it out with him and they go they go head to head and it's the kind of thing that you know if you're thinking about the types of beings that they are it's not like it's a you know gonna be a big fist fight between power it's like well either you're gonna be able to end him or you're not you right. know yeah these are kind of different uh it's it's a different realm than like what we're used to thinking of in comic books, where it's like the hero and the the, the super villain and they fight it out. This this is just uh, the devil and the first woman. Yeah, I guess. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then after that, we get more threads coming to an end. Mm-hmm. So that that happens. I, I think it is about issue forty, and there's forty two issues. So I mean, we still are like. You know what? What did the book start out with? The book started. The very first issue was Rachel coming back to life, buried in a shallow grave, face down. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of the book is like somebody assaulted her, and we we want like the first trade I think of the book was like somebody assaulted her, and we want her to figure out what happened and get revenge, right? You know, and right this wrong. And it very quickly starts veering off of that when we realize that there's crazy other stuff going on. But then after Malice, we kind of quietly come back to that, and Rachel is figuring out what happened and, you know, how did she end up getting killed before being brought back in the first place? Right. The initial uh, time she died. Yeah. And she so she discovers that it was uh, it was a cop. It was the sheriff. Yep. Yeah, it was the sheriff who, interestingly enough, is he was caught cheating by one of the people that Malice took over. Who so Malice took over a guy who was going to catch his wife in the act of cheating mm-hmm. with this cop, and because it was Malice, he goes and beats the guy almost to death. Uh, so the guy is at home, and his face is just beaten to shreds and he's on life support and his wife is all like, Oh, poor us. You know, we don't have the money for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, it was kind of cool here to see Rachel use her powers with this woman and be like, you know, see yeah. through the, the, you know, woe is me veil of, Oh, this is so sad. You know? Yeah. Um, and realize that this woman is a piece of shit too, because she's been letting this go on. Yep. And then she goes and you know confronts the guy. He's, I mean, he's an invalid basically. But uh, you know, she's taking her time. But he pulls out the gun and shoots her. She kills him. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then we, we think she's finally free. Yep. So it's, you know, kind of this good ending, and then you get a black page, and then she's brought back, and you get that scene with Zoe that I just love. She's away! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, and uh, issue 41 is the showdown between Lilith and Malice. So then you have issue 42, which is kind of cool because it wraps up that story that you were talking about that we got in issue 1, but then it, it like as soon as it goes to black and then it comes back, we've already went full circle, so now we get to start all over again if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah it's great. It leaves it open. You know, we got to hunt down Malice's seven children. <laughs> yeah. So now, I mean, it's open to if Terry Moore wanted to, to do more of, of this type of story. I yep. mean, he's got plenty more to work with. Um, but, you know, what I like about it most is uh, not just that, that it does leave it open for more story, um, but it brings you back like you just went through the big showdown mm-hmm. uh, then you went through this like really graphic ending which you know like the the last issue is the one that really shows what happened to Rachel and like you know Rachel she's been the main protagonist so she's the one that you start off with feeling attached to and you know you the driving force in the beginning is is you hit you I, I don't know you like you you feel empathetic with her so you you know this is a terrible thing and you finally see this terrible thing i mean he tasered her he raped her mm-hmm. had her you know face down in uh, with a noose around her neck and strangled her to death because uh, he's you know this i guess he has the noose around his neck too and that's how he strangled her yeah so, i mean he's this you know this disgusting serial killer rapist basically and you know, so you, I mean, you you kind of go through this horrible thing, and I mean, it's pretty horrible. She tears his jaw off with the the claw of a hammer. Yeah. Um, so it's all kind of horrible. So you you think you're getting the ending of okay, well at least Rachel got a release, and then it pulls you right back into the like the lightheartedness. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The the lightheartedness of a serial killer little girl <laughs> drinking a juice box. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's what it does throughout the whole 42 issues, really. It's yeah, that's... Just, that's, that's it exactly pushes, it, pushes it to the edge, and then you're, where you think it's going to go next, it really doesn't, and then it pulls back a little bit, and it shows the lightheartedness. Yeah, that's... You know, this this book is a, is a horror book, mm-hmm. um, but this is... You know, I mean, you, you know that I don't like horror in general, because typically it's all you know gore and you know nastiness right um but this is the type of horror book i like it's very suspenseful um there you know i mean obviously there's a strong horror element through all of this um but it's also it's not just dwelling on the the gore and the guts this book really horror is is an aspect of it um but if you get down to what it really is like this is a book about characters and they keep on pulling you back to that. Like they show you these horrible things, you know, one minute Zoe will be, I don't know, chopping somebody's head off. <laughs> and then the next minute she's a silly little girl, Yeah, you know? So it, it yanks you back and forth, but doesn't make you just like live in the, the mire of the horrors of the world. It is moving you back and forth. So you're constantly experiencing changes of emotion. Um, and, not just kind of settling into a groove, you know? Yep, totally agree. And and to me, it's like all the characters are really 
um, thought out and complex that you actually feel what's going on, at least for me. That's how I was. Like, it, there wasn't really one character that I just glazed over and thought was like your run-of-the-mill generic character that I didn't fully understand. Like, um, <clears throat> I know we talk about Zoe a lot, but like, say for her when she was going through her struggle and trying not to get um, or let Malice know where she was at so he can find her and keep her and get her impregnated to be the to make the Antichrist but yet she was trying to do good and then so you saw that struggle back and forth yeah exactly yeah I'm, I'm flipping through looking at the different characters in the book I think the, the character that's that was the most one dimensional that kind of was throughout the book a little bit was the the police detective the main police detective yeah, the the bald guy with the little yeah. uh, the little yeah. uh, what the hell do you call that? <laughs> I don't flavor saver. <laughs> yeah, soul uh, patch. Yeah, he like I don't think he really played a very big part throughout it at all. He was kind of there, mm-hmm. I think, kind of to draw attention places sometimes away from what was really going on because you know I mean the police investigation is obviously going to be kind of different than. You know, the people who really understand the level of craziness that's going on with this being a very supernatural story. Right. Um, but even some of the other minor characters, like there's the the really big dude that's always shirtless. Um, yeah. He's a weird, interesting character. The Hawaiian guy? Yeah. Or Samoan, I guess. Yeah. Pacific Islander of some sort, we assume. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's... For a character that really has such a small part, he's interesting. Even a lot of the characters, like there, are, you know, quite a few characters that we see for a little bit because Malice takes over them, so we don't really see them that much because we only briefly see them before now they're basically just Malice. Um, but like, you really get a sense of their lives and what's going on with them in a very short period. Less so with the priest. I mean, it's like he's a priest and that's kind of his story. Right. But you know, he. He takes over the the woman, and then kills her husband. But mm-hmm. you get a sense of like the the fan, and it makes you sad because it's like okay, you know, it's it it keeps it like with the priest. It's like he just takes over a priest. You don't know anything else. He's a priest, you know. Right. But like with that woman, they make it very clear that that you know she was in a loving marriage with her husband. Yeah. And then you think you have to think about like not only did he kill this woman basically by taking over her because when he goes to leave her he's gonna kill her to leave, um, but she murders her husband. So her husband, from his perspective, was murdered by somebody who he loved and trusted. Yeah, and it like stuff like that. Like the the really horrible parts of this book are anything but gory. Really, it's like it's showing like the horrible nature of some of these characters like that. Right, and like um, you said, like the woman that Malice takes over isn't just some random lady either, because she was actually the witness for when um, Zoe killed uh, that one person right in the middle of the street. Remember? Yeah, that's when she killed the priest. Yeah. Yeah, and um, because he didn't take over her body right then, did? Did he? Yeah, that was when he took over because and it, they sh- it took a while for them to show it, oh, okay. uh, but they went back because we thought when she killed the priest, like Malice kind of disappeared from the story for a little bit. Okay. Then later on, it went back and showed that the reason Malice 
like got to somebody else was he jumped to that woman because she witnessed the murder. Yeah, because she, she was, she was running over. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's even more more sad. Like this woman has to like has to witness this graphic murder. Mm-hmm. Is there kind of like what's going on? And then because of that, she's a victim. It gets taken over by malice. And there's the end of her life. There's the end of her husband's life. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And then Zoe. I believe that's the the one. Zoe took that woman out into the woods and killed her, so there would be nobody around. But then Malice jumps into the bear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bear goes and finds the guy who's about to catch his cheating wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the bear puts the shotgun up to his head, <laughs> so the guy will kill him, and gets out of the bear, takes over the guy, and then yeah, it's just craziness. Yeah. I honestly think that this whole 42 issues is probably my top three of all time stories comic book wise that I've read yeah this is this is definitely one of the great ones um, I mean as far as you know like I said there are books that make you want to turn the page but then books that you can go back and reread mm-hmm. that have so much more beyond that are, are rare you know usually books that rely on suspense once the suspense is gone there's not much else there right. and this one this the suspense was just an element of it the the real core of the book is all these characters i mean just flipping through it's like you really want to revisit these characters you know yeah um so I, this is something that in the i mean you know i don't often reread stuff but this is something that i'll definitely end up going back and rereading in the future this will probably be one of those books that i revisit you know periodically um this isn't the first terry moore i've read i read the first trade of strangers in paradise before this which i liked Mm -hmm. Uh, but it also didn't make me go like oh i gotta buy you know buy all of this um rachel rising i got uh, on a comiXology digital sale for like 30 bucks for the whole run yeah. Uh, so I got that. I mean, I so I had it all because it was cheap. But because I had read that Strangers in Paradise, is like I'm willing to give a shot to something else Terry Moore does. And now after reading this, I'm pretty much cemented. Like I, I'll, I'll go back and you know keep working on Strangers in Paradise, which is a pretty long run. Uh, and I started. I haven't read it yet because I'm waiting to get the first issue. But um, he has Motor Girl coming out right now. Yep. which I know we mentioned that when I recorded it with Martin, but so anybody who's listening to this and uh, listened to the first episode that we talked about Rachel rising, uh, he has that ongoing coming out. So if you want to, you know, jump into something that is, you know, much, much fresher, hasn't been around too long. I think it's three issues in right now. And the fourth, fourth issue should probably be out pretty soon. Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah. So that one, uh, I don't know a lot about it other than there's a girl who's a mechanic and there's a gorilla who's her friend and there are aliens that's yeah. pretty much my understanding of the book right now so it sounds like it uh is just some good fun at the moment but who knows what it'll develop into see and um the girl and that looks like um jet actually yeah and then like you can tell like uh well, first of all, you can tell it's Terry Moore doing everything, right? Because his art style is similar. Mm-hmm. But the gorilla is like a mix between Earl and... Uh, was it her cousin? Or her uncle? I don't remember. The big mafia-like guy that we were talking about. But the, anyway, for Motor Girl. Yeah, I can't wait to read that. So I was flipping through some more. 
It's nice to have this in physical. It's so hard to flip through a digital book. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to, like, earlier when you put me on the spot and asked me what Rachel's um, real name was. I was, like, going through digitally trying to find it, but I still can't find it, so I'm not as good as the as Martin is on looking sh- stuff up. <laughs> yeah, it's because he's always just Googling it on his computer. <laughs> I was flipping through. I came across one other scene that I thought was a, a funny one, but showed a lot about the character. So this is when when Jet decides to be in a relationship with Earl, and uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night and is getting up to go pee, and she just grabs onto his back and just writes him into the bathroom. He, well, I mean they don't show it, but like he he goes in the bathroom, flush, then he's going back, uh, and he looks out the window and uh, and sees. Uh, who the hell does he see? Is that death? Yeah. Um, it's the it's the one lady that always, right? It's the death of the four witches. The one that always well, shows up to get them, right? Yeah. Well, death isn't one of the witches. She's actually death. She's there to take away the dead people. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's I think that that scene the the reason they're showing that is that Earl is basically refusing to let death take Jet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. That's just such a, a it's such a funny scene, mm-hmm. but it just, it shows like, I mean, Earl is got what he want. He's so happy and content and Jet is, you know, this strange girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those scenes that like, it adds so much depth to the characters, even one like Earl, who, like we were saying, you, he stays kind of more even keel, like, that's one of those little glimpses that shows you that there's more to Earl. Yep. <sighs> All right. Well, I think that uh, that we are done talking about Rachel Rising. Sounds good to me. Yeah, this was uh, this was definitely like th- this sold me on Terry Moore. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read uh, anything that he does. I'm looking forward to working through all of Strangers in Paradise over time. Um, I believe that in the future we'll probably do another episode talking about Motor Girl, so I look forward to doing that with you. Until next time, everybody, you can find Ronnie on Twitter at RonBar316. You can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. Uh, keep an eye out for a Twitter handle coming for the podcast. I intend to make one because people are asking for it, but uh, I haven't done it yet because having multiple Twitter accounts is also annoying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you can email us at hello at nerdylegion.com. Uh, perhaps Martin would actually forward those emails to me. Sometimes he does. Uh, and by that, I mean he never has. Uh, but yeah, uh, until next time. Next time, hopefully, we'll finally be loving rockets. People have been asking where that episode is. And I have uh, somebody to do it with now. We'll keep that a secret. You'll have to listen and find out who's going to be. So until next time, uh, go read some Love and Rockets so you, you, we don't spoil it all for you.